everyone, and welcome back to the Future Cities podcast. This is Alicia Helmrich here today with Katinka and Marta. Katinka, could you please introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah. Hi, Alicia. Hi, everyone in the audience. I'm super excited to be here. Um, my name is Katinka Weisman. I am currently an assistant professor at the Department of Human Geography and Spatial Planning at Utrecht University, which is in the Netherlands. Um, I am uh, an interdisciplinary scholar and, and broadly speaking, my work focuses on human environment uh, relations. And I approach that often from an intersectional feminist perspective um, and from a more than, more than human angle. And, and so I draw from a lot of uh, different disciplines, mainly politics and planning, but there's also some science and technology studies, feminist theory, geography, um, and yeah, right now I'm working on some smaller quote unquote projects. Um, one includes uh, a critical analysis of scenario planning as a, as a methodology um, in planning for environmental justice communities. A second piece is a perspective piece um, on the necessity of interdisciplinary and transdisciplinary um, modes of knowledge production uh, for centering justice in a meaningful way in the design and planning of nature-based solutions. So very closely linked to what we're talking about today. And then the third um, thing is a um, more theoretical piece on a non-human labor of resilience. And next to that, I'm also very slowly starting to imagine what turning uh, my dissertation into a book will uh, will look like. So that's uh, that's the kind of space that I'm uh, the mind space that I'm in uh, these days. Thank you. That's exciting. Marta, could you introduce yourself as well? Yeah, well, thanks so much for, for having me. I really appreciate this invitation. Um, my name is Marta Berbes, and I'm an assistant professor at the School of Planning and the Faculty of Environment at the University of Waterloo, which is in Canada. And I'm actually a relatively uh, new transplant to the University of Waterloo. I was previously at Arizona State University, which is where we made all our connections, because there are connections in the background. Um, and But my research agenda hasn't really changed very much. Um, I'm still looking very much at issues around building urban resilience. And specifically, I, I look at that process from the perspective or from a perspective informed by environmental justice. Um, and when it comes to methodologies, I tend to favor anticipatory. Um, so a lot of futures thinking methodologies, as well as participatory methodologies. Um, so a lot of uh, community-based, community-led research um, informs what, what I do. Thank you. So for our listeners, if you haven't picked up a general theme yet today, we will be talking about justice and sustainability pathways. And so to help get a little bit more context about that, I was wondering if you both could share your inspiration to explore justice. Sure, I can go. Um, so I think that because of my work has always had, uh, th throughout my career, my work has always had a participatory lens. Um, participation, the way that I understand it, should serve to advance equity and justice. Um, so you really like to, I mean, you try to look at how power relations work in a situation and through your research, 
uh, you intend to disturb them or to at least expose them. And so I think that when it comes to, you know, nature-based solutions or building urban resilience, that theme of looking um, for issues of injustices uh, remains. And so I think that to me, it's a very natural way of approaching any of, of the work that I do, but it really comes from, from the idea of participation and broadening participation uh, processes. Yeah, I think for me, what um, Marta's saying sounds very recognizable actually. Um, my, my journey uh, towards thinking about and working on justice and participation uh, started a, a, like a while ago, so to say. Um, it, it's, I think the interest was sort of baked in by my upbringing with a, like a, a very active um, grandfather in the labor movement and then like very religious mom and like there, there was sort of like this ethics background always there and thinking about justice in completely different ways than I think about it now but like the, the thematic uh, was there. Um, but I grew up in a very very white middle-class town and in a relatively well-off country. And that actually used to be at the forefront of sustainability and progressive policy, et cetera. But it started changing a little bit in my opinion, or at least I became aware of a different kind of rhetoric in the early 2000s. And that's what really sort of pushed me in this direction of um, thinking about this more deeply. Uh, so, for example, there was a lot of rhetoric about around immigration or foreign aid, and like I, I found it very unsettling. And so that happened around the time when I started going to undergraduate studies, and this is where I sort of started pursuing these these different takes on on life. Um, so uh, I took courses in gender studies, I took courses in post-colonial studies and environmental studies, and to sort of feed that interest. But what was difficult for me at that time, at least in the Netherlands, these were very separate fields. So there were very interesting conversations happening in each of them, but they weren't talking very much to each other. Um, and it was always hard for me to uh, sort of carve out that space. So once it was time, I decided I want to do a PhD. I decided I'm going to do that in the US because there's more of a discourse, environmental justice or social justice is an issue in environmental thinking. Um, and so that brought me to, to the US, to the new school in, the, in particular, where I did an interdisciplinary dissertation project and I took courses in social justice. I ended up teaching in environmental justice and I got involved in some uh, transdisciplinary projects um, on resilience through the Urban Systems Lab. And um, yeah, living in New York itself was also very much an experience that that impacts um, yeah your view on on justice, environmental racism, those kind of issues. And it was actually through one of those uh, transdisciplinary projects that Marta and I got to know each other. And it was a, a big group of people of um, from different universities um, with a semi-shared goal. Um, and I'm saying semi-shared because you know, we were working on this project all together, but Marta and I and some other people started noticing like, hey, we want to have a conversation around justice, and but the space isn't really here for it. Um, but we want to forge that kind of. Um, and that's, uh, that's, yeah, in my mind, that's how this project uh, was born from a, a shared um, sort of experience 
which was in part very positive, but in part we also had some frustration about how some of these conversations were happening. And so we started discussing more amongst ourselves and figuring out like how can we actually yeah, contribute and bring this to a, to a different level. And I would just add to what Katinka said, which is uh, it's nice to sort of remember the context. Um, I think that one of the motivators as well was that in 2020 with obviously the murder of, of George Floyd, uh, there was this really clear need in academia, well, in society in the United States, but I think in academia as well, to start thinking about equity and justice more deeply. And so at that time, there was all these, you know, justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion committees that came up, and there was this renewed interest in hearing, uh, you know, how, how do we do this right now? And I think that Part of the conversation that Katinka and I were having that led to that paper was around the need to, uh, to, to use this as an opportunity to actually engage deeper into conversations of justice because there seemed to be um, some superficial you know, understanding of justice and we thought that you know, that's good, there's an opportunity, people are talking, but that conversation can go deeper. And so I think that that was um, the conversation that we were having and that you see in, in the paper. Thank you both for providing that personal background that led you here, as well as more that general context in academia and how we've ended up in this space where we can conduct this interdisciplinary research on these social topics. And so, to kind of begin diving in and helping our listeners, could you define what justice means? Are there different types of justice? And what may those look like in practice? I think it's a great question. Also a really difficult one to sort of have a, have a straightforward answer. And I think that's actually the main point that Marta and I are trying to make in our paper that, um, yeah, it, it takes some time and it takes some some effort to 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 yeah, formulate an answer to questions like that. Um, so sort of a key takeaway or a key understanding for us is that we don't understand justice as a, as a static thing, as something that, you know, you can achieve through formalized procedures or, or protocols or something, but, but instead we see it more as a, as a redefined and, and negotiated ideal. And this is a take that a lot of environmental justice scholars take, a lot of activists take as well. Um, but that means that there's actually many different kinds of justice, right? You can talk about epistemic justice, gender justice, economic justice, you know, the list can go on and on and on. Um, and what we, uh, the, what we did in the papers that we looked at what is used frequently in sort of the space that we're intervening in, so the sustainability space, nature-based solution space. And there, there's often three dimensions that are um, distinguished distribution, procedure, and recognition. And they all refer to slightly different things. So distributive justice focuses um, on the distribution of, of goods and bads that different social groups uh, uh, have. Um, so for example, uh, the presence or the absence of, of shading or trees or uh, something like that. And then procedural justice uh, is concerned more with the procedures and the practices of, of decision making, and then in particular assessing 
um, their inclusivity. So for example, uh, the emphasis in much nature-based solutions work has been on, on this process of co-production, co-creation, the participation aspect that Marta talked about earlier. And then the third uh, one is uh, recognition justice, which really attends to whether social and cultural differences are acknowledged and, and sort of looks at how they are made to matter. Um, and um, I think part of the argument that we're trying to make in the paper uh, and the way we started to, to think about it is that while these three dimensions sort of give a layered understanding of justice and really help us think about, about different angles of justice, all of these can be understood in more than one way. Uh, and that's a feature that's often not uh, receiving a lot of attention. Um, so for example, distributive justice, uh, it can be a spatial or temporal analysis that really focuses on whether things like trees are present or absent. Um, but this does not, uh, for example, address how differences are perceived or experienced by people who live in certain areas or the, or the wider public. There's an assumption that everyone needs the same thing, which is not always uh, true. Plus, it doesn't look at causes, right? Like the, the, the sort of the underlying structures that make these differences uh, appear. And um, yeah, similarly for procedural justice and recognitional justice, Martin, I pointed out a few ways in which this can be understood uh, in different different ways. So, in the end, what we what we sort of um, yeah found out through this process of writing is that uh, yeah, there's a multi-layered dimension uh, understanding, um, and it's necessary, but it's also insufficient to really sort of drive the conversation forward and to to give substance um, to to justice. And that's where we sort of did that additional uh, push. And I would just add here, because I mean, I think that that's an excellent uh, explanation. And, and I think that, that there is a lot of value uh, in, you know, like the synthetic tripartite understanding of justice, uh, that often is the one that people um, rely on in, and it serves a purpose. But I think that what our work was trying to show was that there are multiple understandings of this and also to provide some tools for questioning how would you make a choice right because I think that that's the the issue that well we say that these framings are are good but probably insufficient and that they have to be adapted to a specific context because we all have different uh, needs in terms of, of justice and, and in terms of green or uh, nature-based solutions in the city. And you can think of, you know, how do you feel, me personally, as a woman, I don't feel the same um, as, you know, say, a male walking around parks or walking around wooded areas. And, and that experience counts, right? And so providing a park is probably insufficient for my needs, right? Um, so you can think of like the different people who are users or intended users and how their experience will vary. And so there's that need uh, of negotiating the meaning of justice with each pro project or program that, that we're trying to implement. So my background's in environmental engineering. I've taken classes on stormwater. I've taken a class where we designed a green infrastructure project and built it for the community. And 
at that time I hadn't been exposed to anything in justice related for the most part we were we were working with the stakeholder we were understanding their needs um but that was about our extent of working with the community um just understanding who is going to maintain that green infrastructure so if I were to say be hired by a city to implement more of these nature-based solutions how how could I reflect um, upon that project and ask myself different questions to understand whether or not I'm addressing these concerns of justice? Wow, um, that's a good question. <laughs> you know, I think that the way that I approach that type of situation, it's often thinking, who am I holding myself accountable to? In I think that oftentimes what I try to answer is I need to hold myself accountable um, to those who have traditionally been disenfranchised, not have access to decision-making, not benefited from uh, green infrastructure, because I do know that if those people are made better off, we all be, be made better off. Um, that is, sort of like my shorthand, like my very quick way of assessing a situation of kind of like finding, you know, who do I need to respond to? Whose needs do I need to be centering? So that's the, that's my approach. I think that obviously in, in the paper, we go through a much more detailed questioning and we open it up without answers. Like we, we really do not provide any uh, quick uh, answer, it really is about the co-creation, the co-negotiation, are you in touch with that community? Do they trust you enough to actually um, tell you their needs and, and tell you uh, what, they're, what they are missing? It, and so we just go through a bunch of ways of questioning that situation and hopefully you find that useful. I find, you know, my short one, it, like what I go to is, you know, who do I need to uh, be accountable for? And when I center that, I try to then make my work relevant to, to that position and to those folks. Katinka, what do you have to say about that? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I agree with everything you said, and I, I thought you said it very, very eloquently. Um, yeah. Um, so in our paper indeed, and we can talk about it a little bit more now, is that we propose five initial questions that, that a person like yourself, um, but other scientists as well, people working in the city, students, uh, planners, et cetera, they can sort of take us as initial questions to ask yourself to start this discussion, to start this reflection. Um, but our hope is really uh, that yeah, through these kinds of conversations, more questions will come out of it, right? Like that's what Marta is saying. We're not providing sort of like answers, but we're trying to like help this conversation happening. So um, the five questions that we provide, uh, we can, yeah, maybe I'll just like go go through them a little bit with you if you uh, if you don't mind. But uh, the first one is is um, is uh, we say, how do we define justice? And um, this is really a how question in the sense of like, is this a deductive thing where we come up with like a theoretical definition beforehand, like this is justice and we're gonna see if that exists in the world or is it much more in an inductive way 
where we sort of go into the world and see, hey, what are people expressing or what are other creatures expressing is is a fair uh, sort of thing to do or to or to say or to intervene. Um, so uh, yeah, that, that's sort of like the first initial uh, question that we propose, like really, okay, how how do we think about this and, and approach this? And then the second question that we propose is how do we conceptualize the basic structure of justice? And this, this really goes a little bit more into that justice theory uh, that we draw from, like from political theory, from philosophy, from environmental justice scholarship. And um, we, we sort of uh, parse out three different, um, what we call distinction pairs of how justice is understood and practiced. And the first one is a distinction between substantiveness on the one hand or impartiality on the other. And uh, that's the difference between having deciding what is just on the basis of predetermined rules uh, or standards like, like laws, for example, or on the basis mm -hmm. of situational deliberation. Then the second is between uh, proceduralist or consequentialist approaches where the first one focuses much more on the process, like is a process something that's creating justice, whereas consequentialists are way more concerned about outcomes, like what happens after this process. And then the last difference pair is between universalism and particularism, where universalists uh, tend to think that what is just is valid over time and space, uh, whereas particularists look much more uh, at these contexts, right, like in their customs and habits that are appropriate to those contexts. And then a third question that we propose that we should all ask ourselves if we're working in this space is, why do we care about justice, right? Like, why does it matter to us? What motivates us? What, what's the goal here that we're trying to achieve? And because it's like, it's kind of easy to agree that, you know, justice is about the right thing for in relation to others. Um, but what, what is then this right thing, right? So. Um, we, in our paper, we follow Neil Cadorn, um, who argues that there are four different grounds on which justice uh, can be made to matter. One is human dignity, another is human well-being, the third is membership to a group, and then the last one is correction of past wrongs. And then depending on these goals, you're going to have different means, you're going to have a different kind of analysis, different kinds of frictions may pop up. Um, and, and different opportunities for this accountability between researchers and, and communities that Marta was talking about sort of follow from that as well. Then a closely related fourth question is what are the principles of justice? And, and with principles is often understood a sort of, yeah, core, core foundation upon which beliefs of justice are built and, and from which then also action flows, right? So for example, if we think about this distributive justice that we talked about before, like how do we even establish if something is fair or just? It can be on the basis of need, but it can also be on the basis of deservingness, of entitlement, of market value priority, of utility, of equality. Like the point is that um, there are multiple competing principles and if we don't make them explicit, like what, what we believe in or why we opt them, we may be having, um, let's say, conversations that are not uh, <laughs> so great. And then the last question is really about uh, the scope of justice, like justice for whom? Like whose, whose justice are we concerned with? And this is a question about, do we focus on individuals or communities? 
they don't necessarily have to be at odds with each other, but they can be. Um, it's about spatial skill. Is this an, uh, very often in, um, or at least in like more sort of classical uh, justice theory, the nation state is taken as, uh, as a, um, a community of concern, but you can upscale it to planetary level. You can downscale it to, to municipal levels or, or, um, or even smaller communities. And then uh, you also want to think about temporal skill, right? Like, are we only concerned with the here and now? Or do we have a responsibility towards people and, and other creatures living in the future that are not yet born? Do we have a responsibility to fix the problems that other people have created in the generations before us, right? And then the last um, element of that is to really think about, is this just about humans or do we extend this beyond humans? towards non-human animals, non-sentient nature, et cetera. So those are sort of, um, yeah, the five questions that we, that we sort of, yeah, propose to, to have this kind of reflection, right? Like where do we draw the boundaries? Who is considered? Um, and, and we really hope to encourage a kind of reflexivity um, to, yeah, to have these more uh, difficult perhaps conversations on accountability, responsibility, uh, and making uh, yeah our interventions more meaningful. And I, I want to say, um, I love when Katinka explains this. I, I like how you say that it's about making explicit the choices. I think that oftentimes in how we approach a situation, um, even just what you described before, Alicia, in terms of you know, like we work with this community, um, you know, trying to figure out why were you working in that community? Like what served as justification for choosing that particular community? Uh, was that made explicit? Was it just implicit? Did we just consider them to be low income communities? Did we like, why do we think that they were in need? Um, I think that these questions or, or this questioning um, just really serves to make explicit some of the assumptions. And I think that when you start to unpack the assumptions, you start to realize uh, the biases, the prejudices. And it's a really fascinating because we do it, we are not bias free. Uh, I think that we respond to, you know, particular uh, narratives in, in how those kind of seep into our research. Um, it's, it's somewhat unavoidable, right? And that's why I think when people all of a sudden got this uh, real need to address justice because, you know, all of a sudden it was really, really important and really center and equity, it was center in all of our research, uh, there was a real danger. And there is still a real danger of just going for quick, easy uh, solutions. And so this is in some ways to slow you down and to work through these questions. Probably there's a lot more that we didn't uh, touch um, upon that, that you can continue to question, right? Um, but really it, it's to unpack how we are approaching it. And if we're successful, would we um, harm people? would we, with our projects, because sometimes it's also unintended. I don't think people, uh, researchers, sustainability researchers do not set out 
uh, to harm anybody. But sometimes I think that without the questioning, uh, with all these implicit assumptions, there is the possibility for harm. So that's why I always kind of like go back to the accountability, but I think that I'm packing them further and saying like, well, what does that look like? And how do you justify your choices? It's really important for sustainability scientists and other scientists. I'm always so uh, inspired when I hear you speak. I feel like when I say something, you have something more to say, and then you say something, I'm like, oh, that triggers thoughts for me as well. Because um, I, yeah, I, like part of the conversation that Marta and I had, like before we started writing this, was really this frustration with this, this sort of rush to streamline justice, right? Like on the one hand, we so agree that justice should be central in all, all environmental work, all work. Um, but it, it happened in such a, a quick way in, in certain areas that, that it became almost counterproductive, right? Like you got these shorthands. Um, if we include more people in the decision-making process, it is just, or if more people have access to green space, it is just. And like, this is really, as, as Marta is saying, like trying to challenge these assumptions and, and unpack this a little bit. And, and just a second uh, thing that I wanted to say in response to what, what Marta just offered is that, is this question of harm. I, um, and this is not something that we've actually discussed, so maybe we can explore it sometime later <laughs> a bit more, but I'm not sure if we can always exist outside of harm, but this is about casting your lot, right? Like who do you cast your lot with? Who, who's, whose back do you have? Um, and of course, we need to try to reduce harm, prevent harm, all of that. But I think to ask these questions is really acknowledging that we are political players, right? Like sometimes choices need to be made. Um, and it's not always all like peachy or win-win situation. Um, but in order to make those choices and to make them in a way in which we can be accountable and responsible, yeah, we need to do this this work of unpacking as Marta was uh, was saying yeah it sounds like there's some real value in also having this be a group exercise with everyone who's working on the project and so I wanted to circle back to something Marta brought up and that's that idea of engaging with the community and so I was wondering if you could speak toward how how we can proactively engage with communities in a successful manner that we can build trust. Yeah, um, again, a really good question and really tough answers. Uh, I think, and I'm only really speaking from my experience, which again, like it's colored by all sorts of uh, situations and, and, you know, by who I am and, and who they are and, and that sort of thing. Um, in my experience, when I have felt that I was working with community, um, it was usually the result of years of conversations without a very clear agenda, so that there was an opportunity for the agenda to be set together and, and, and for things to really be co-created. This is antithetical of most academic research because most academic research happens uh, with very defined timelines and with very specific objectives because you have gotten a grant for something that has to happen within a year, within two years, and, and you have to deliver 
on certain things. So um, it, it's sometimes at odds with what most academics can do. Um, but I think that we've built, I've built trust with communities specifically in, in Phoenix where ASU has um, done some good and has done um, things that were not good and and that they the community was very um, hesitant to engage with another yet another ASU re researcher and rightly so and so it's a time but you kind of have to prove yourself to the community that you know you do not intend to be extractive do, do you not you intend to honor uh, your agreements and you are okay with dropping your sort of agenda in order to build something together that usually is better so i think like and and you know oftentimes they have like the 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 the, the times where i felt i was in sync with community um a lot of those have resulted in really fun things and and they wouldn't have happened uh just on my own i i, I don't have that imagination it was it, it is really a co-produced uh process and and i think it's much more rewarding and you know you feel good and and you know like i, I think that there's an impact there um but yeah i think that again there's no easy path uh you know and sometimes you know i have you know conversations with folks in you know some you know like some folks community i guess um that have not really resulted on anything more than conversations and that's absolutely fine too because i think at heart i also just care about having that conversation uh, and i'm okay if it doesn't result in in you know like a grant or something um so i think that you also have to assume a certain amount of failure you also have to assume a certain amount of um being told that no that that you're not the right person for for that community that they do not accept the research that you're proposing um and you know like so you have to be humble i think that one of the things that i've learned is to be really humble and to know exactly when to just drop and, and just offer an apology and say hey that wasn't the right thing to say let's try this other way and I think like through through that you build trust and I think that when there is trust there's that openness of saying this is what we need help with and this is not what we need help with and we want you to you know uh and, and there are there are community needs you know like I think that Air quality in South Phoenix has been something that has been really interesting. That was a community conversation. Um, and then eventually, you know, I started shifting my research and I'm not necessarily uh, somebody who has a lot of expertise on air quality, but, you know, I could partner with people and we can make that happen. So, so yeah, never a straight path though. Yeah, I, I think, uh... Again, like I agree with everything you say, but I want to add to it by mirroring sort of towards the other side, right? Like part of this question is also like, uh, which communities do we already belong to, right? Like not everyone might be suitable or uh, interested or or have like the, the kind of, yeah, infrastructure or space or whatever you want to call it to do this kind of, of work. But that doesn't mean that then, you know, you, you don't do anything at all um uh so for example like part of why we wrote this paper is that we also recognize we are part of the scientific community 
And uh, we noticed that a lot of people don't have the time or the bandwidth to engage with these theories of justice or these uh, sort of empirical studies that are more like from the social sciences, from philosophy, et cetera. So um, what Marta and I decided is like, okay, we'll take on this responsibility as well to translate some of this to, to that community, right? Um, and um, uh, so that, that this is just to say um, that I think we should also as individuals and, and like within our institutions imagine which are the different kinds of co communities where we can intervene. And it's not always just, you know, the collaborative of work with uh, communities on the ground, which I think is super important, um, but it's also like the institutions that we are part of, um, or even the institutions that we are not part of, but that we're gonna study and scrutinize and criticize uh, and thereby create a different conversation in different space as well, right? Like this, this idea of studying up, studying the powerful and like understanding how they function, how they work in order to, you know, hopefully create this different space um, for for yeah different kinds of futures to uh, to be able to happen. I do love that reminder of you know we don't always have to find the other. Uh, I think that being impactful in the communities that you're part of, uh, you know, like hopefully you know changing uh, academia, changing how, and I, I think that that is really meaningful as well. Um, so I wanted to highlight it because I think there, in the same way that there was like this shorthand of like, okay, now we need to do equity. There was also like this little uh, uh, sort of like reflex of like, we need to find a community. This tends to be communities that are overstudied and uh, that tend to be very reticent to, to work in with us because they don't see results. So I also think that you know, one of the best things that you can do is start from where you are and, and work with what you have. So as, as we're coming closer to the end here, I wanted to provide a space to discuss maybe the opportunities you see moving forward. You, you've conducted, as you said, this, this translation of justice for environmental, for sustainability sciences. And if, if we were to leave it on an optimistic note, I guess, what where would you hope this goes or what would you hope to see in this space? Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for a lot more of these kinds of reflexive conversations uh, and, and really this sort of, um, yeah, acknowledging and acceptance that we have biases without accepting the biases per se, right? We want to interrogate them, but like, not, let's not pretend that we are objective scientists or, or you know, that we exist outside of uh, communities or outside of uh, yeah, these kinds of spaces. Um, and I think two things for me um, are really kind of hopeful. The first one is that there's just more spaces opening up where transdisciplinary conversations and projects can happen. Uh, where there's just more focus on on exchange on collaboration um and uh yeah uh it it seems as though um there's also really more exchange happening for example between the natural sciences and the social sciences it's it's in early stages and it's like not so much in every field and every discipline etc but but the interest is there and i think the second uh part and that relates to it is like that the zeitgeist is is kind of changing, right? And like, uh, unfortunately, in some countries and in some states, not for the better, but for the worse. 
But generally speaking, this whole interest in justice and the fact that justice is now center in nature-based solutions work, in sustainability work, there was a major effort, like decades of decades of work went into that to, to make that sort of, to mainstream that. And the fact that that is now becoming mainstream, that it's becoming part of the zeitgeist and that it's just something that you, that you do that um, makes me very, uh, very hopeful. Yeah, I think I absolutely agree with that. I think that more spaces for these type of conversations uh, at all levels, like I, I like uh, the idea of questioning uh, as a group of researchers, but, you know, questioning yourself, what you're doing, um, question your institution. So I think that all these um, spaces for more of these conversations are important and kind of hand in hand with that transdisciplinary work uh, is important. Like I think that, and, and I think that there's a genuine interest in, and maybe an opportunity here to, to kind of like start um, having those discussions. And, and so I am hopeful as well. I think uh, just, just a final thing, like uh, Marta and I, we might not necessarily be explicitly like feminist theories or something uh, uh, like that, but we do really very much have that, that ethos, right? Like the focusing on what's analytically, like what's wrong or what's not going well, or like where we need to push, but always also holding on to, to this need for change, for this desire, for, the, for this, this kind of hope, right? And like, that's where we, uh, we wrote our paper kind of as an invitation to pause, to, to build this kind of uh, reflection and projects, but also in relations. Um, and, and so I think um, we're very much of the, of the, the tribe that, um, you know, there will not always be a perfect process or a perfect answer possible, but it does not dismiss us from, from the duty to try and do better and to, uh, yeah, sort of have that ethos in, in your work. I think um, that's, uh, it's very important to, to both of us. And I would say that we fail often. And I think that that's an important skill to have, um, especially when, when you are in this terrain where you're bound to make mistakes. Um, and so I think that, you know, creating, yeah, like those transdisciplinary spaces, those those conversations and, the, and those places where you can fail and, and sort of like learn and, uh, you know, repair damage, obviously, but um, not... Like, I think, like, at the end, we still want people to try, like, rather than to stay within their safety zone, but just, like, to try and have these hard conversations and address this really complicated, um, complex topics. Thank you, Katinka and Marta, for sharing your knowledge, your expertise in this area, helping us understand how we can translate justice into our fields, questions to help center ourselves and others as we begin to have those conversations, making sure we're not maybe being superficial with how we are centering justice as well in our research and just really beginning to dive into this topic further with our listeners. With that, I did want to open the floor if there are uh, anything you'd like to promote on, on this topic, we will be linking your publication in the description of this podcast, but if there's any other spaces you would encourage our listeners to go explore to learn more. 
Actually, I do have a plugin. Uh, so Natura is looking for five students uh, to be part of their international research experience for students. Uh, this is something that I'm doing uh, with other mentors and it'll be the fourth year mm -hmm. that we do it and we're very excited. A lot of the, the work that the students end up doing is uh, you know, informed by justice, is participatory, uh, it relies on really strong local partners. So I invite students to look us up in the Natura, um, I think it's natura-net.org. Uh, and look for opportunities. Uh, we are taking applications until November 7th. Uh, I don't have a have a promo or pitch like Marta does, uh, but I, I, I can say that uh, the work that Marta and I did was part of a special issue uh, that's uh, now available in, at environmental science and policy. Um, some of it is open access, other parts of it are behind the paywall, but typically if you're interested you can write the author and they are very happy to like send you a PDF. Um, so uh, yeah, that might be a nice uh, sort of uh, way into having this conversation more if you're, you're interested. Thank you. And thank you both for your time. And as we close out our episode, we do have a haiku from Marta. All green solutions have justice implications, questions and questions. The Future Cities podcast is an outreach effort brought to you by Natura-based solutions for urban resilience in the Anthropocene, or Natura. To learn more, please visit www.natura-net.org. If you have any questions, feedback, or suggestions for future episodes, you can email us at futurecitiespodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at futurecitiespod. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.